Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Checking in about food allergies and introducing allergenic foods. And have you done peanut with your baby yet? Well, intact nuts and thick globs of nut butters like peanut butter are choking hazards for babies, but we want to get that peanut protein into your baby early and often in order to help lower the risk of peanut allergy down the road. My absolute favorite way to introduce peanuts for babies is using the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs. So When you hear puffs, like you're probably like, oh, those starchy little puff things. Like, no, no, no. Not the little ones that earlier eaters can't pick up. Those kind of crappy puffs from the store that have added sugar and refined grains and lots of salt. Uh uh. The Puffworks baby peanut puffs have no added sugar. They have just a smidge of sodium for preservatives, and they are the perfect size for baby led weaning. They're about the size of your adult pinky finger. So, you can, baby can pick them up, self-feed them, but they're so soft that they dissolve in your baby's mouth so you can introduce these peanut puffs even before your baby has teeth. Puffworks also makes a baby almond puff for the safe introduction of a separate allergenic food category. That's tree nuts. And now, finally, Puffworks put out a combo case. So it's half baby peanut and half baby almond. So if you want to grab one case, then you can knock out two new allergenic foods. We do these on different days, though. These are just the no-stress, low-mess way to get peanut and tree nut out of the way. So you can get 15% off everything at puffworks.com when you use the affiliate discount code BLWPOD. That's a new code. It's BLWPOD. Use that sucker at checkout at puffworks.com and get peanut and tree nut safely out of the way. The things that kids get exposed to again and again and again are the things that their brain becomes accustomed to. They become comfort foods. It's so powerful to be able to have the whole family fall in love with the same food. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. Well, hello, Dr. Green, and thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Katie, it is so great to get to be with you today. Important, exciting topic, and great to be joining the work that you're doing. It is such an honor to interview you. I've admired your ambitious work, particularly in the field of infant feeding for years. I've been dying to have you on the podcast. This is so exciting. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself and why you decided to pursue a career in medicine and in particular pediatrics. Let me start with why I got into medicine in the first place. I was inspired by a nurse that I met in Guatemala, and she was taking care of people in a hundred square mile area by herself. And just, I really wanted to get involved in healthcare. And I ended up in medical school. And while I was there in my internal medicine rotation, I was taking care of an elderly woman with osteoporosis, crippling osteoporosis. And I was shocked to learn when I did a little research that osteoporosis is a pediatric disease. It's kids. It's how kids eat, how kids move when they're building their bone density that that casts the die for later in life. And so I wanted to get involved upfront where you're building bodies and building systems and 
for a, a long and healthy life. I am so excited to speak with you. There's so many interesting topics, but your initiative, the White Out Movement, which for our audience members who may not be familiar, advocates against the use of white rice cereal as the first food to feed your baby. Tell us about that. How did you come to be involved in this topic? Which to be honest, most of your contemporaries and colleagues, like I teach at UCSF in the nurse practitioner program. We know 95% of primary care practitioners in this country have never even had a dedicated nutrition class. How is it that this became your passion? So during my career, I've seen the childhood obesity epidemic take off. And I've been involved in a lot of initiatives to try to help curb that. Uh, and a lot focused on schools and school-age kids and teaching them how to eat and providing really great whole foods in schools. But when you look at the data, the obesity epidemic starts way before school age. By the time kids are nine months old, about 30% of the kids in the U.S. have excess fat cells and altered metabolisms. So you have to start before that if you're going to make a big impact. And so looking at that, I looked and found that the number one source of solid food calories in American kids for decades when this obesity epidemic was building was ultra-processed white rice cereal. And there was zero good reason for it. So I thought if we could change that, we would be able to have a big impact on getting people thinking about food in the first place and making a significant, really easy change. So the idea was real simple. Let every baby's first food be a real food. Let every baby's first grain be a whole grain. I love that. Um, We actually had Dr. Lustig, a fellow UCSF colleague on the podcast, talking about sugar and why your baby should avoid it. And there's so much confusion. Like parents know, okay, avoid added sugars, but what they don't realize is the difference between refined grains and whole grains. And we've also had a lot of other guests that do a lot of content around just, you know, the entire industry of commercial baby food that, to be honest, wasn't around prior to the earlier part of the 20th century. And like, what do you think, you know, cave mama fed her baby who was a modified version of the same food the rest of the family was eating? Like this idea of feeding your baby's real food, it should not be so revolutionary. It should not be the exception. It should be the norm. Right. And it's been almost all of human history in every culture. And if they did have something dedicated for the baby, it was still a real food. It wasn't a processed packaged food. As a doctor, what advice would you give to our listeners who are parents and caregivers, and they are hearing from their pediatricians day in and day out that they need to start and they need to use iron fortified white rice cereal as the first food? Happens every day, my inbox, my DMs and Instagram full of this concern. It's still happening despite all the work you've been doing. So a few things. One is that you can, um, if you want to, go to drgreen.com slash whiteout, and it's D-R-G-R-E-E-N-E.com slash whiteout, and print out materials there for pediatricians. When pediatricians read it, they often turn around. When we did started the campaign at the beginning, most pediatricians were recommending processed white flour. At the end of a year, many of them had said that they would never recommend it again once they just saw the data. So getting them information is good. Another thing that I think could be really helpful is to think through why do we feed babies solid foods in the first place? And pretty much there are three reasons. One is to provide nutrition right then for that exciting time of life, but they're already getting the nutrition they need from breast milk or a great formula if they need to. And the white rice cereal doesn't add anything to that. The second reason is to create a great microbiome. The microbiome, the beneficial bacteria in the gut are established in those, that first year or two. And it's by the food that you're feeding them. And uh, white rice cereal is building the wrong kind of microbiome. And then thirdly is to teach the flavors kids are going to love. And you don't want to teach kids to love processed white flour. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. Can you talk a little bit about the whiteout movement? Like I know you have materials on your website. I mean, I'm very familiar with your work because I work exclusively in infant feeding, but what else does the movement consist of? And also how can we help spread the message against the use of white rice cereal as the first food? Yeah. So the way the movement we started it, my wife, Cheryl, and I were brainstorming, how do we make this happen? And we found that there were five places in the country where most of the social media messaging was coming from. It was a group called ISIS up in Boston. It was big city moms in New York. It was Metro moms in Dallas, the pump station in LA. And so what we did is just went around and did a free talk at each of those places and told the story of white rice cereal, how it got started, how it really took over in the 50s and all the detrimental pieces of it. And then said, the idea here is so simple. Let every kid's first grain be a whole grain, their first food be a real food. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's easy to do. The kids won't mind. The babies will love it. And all we ask is that you tell a couple of friends. And they did. And it started to take off like wildfire. So in July, after we launched the White Out Movement, wrote an article for pediatricians on Medscape. And it was the number one most read article on all of Medscape, where doctors gather online. I'm not just for pediatricians for that day and for the entire month of July. And for the year, it was the top read article by pediatricians and in the top 10 of all physicians anywhere. So they're starting to think about it. And we also had Amy Bentley on the podcast, the author of the book, Inventing Baby Food out of NYU. And the episode was, you know, what did babies eat before baby food was invented? And to be honest, like, you know, those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. Like if we don't understand the history of commercial baby food and it's all our parents have known. And, you know, this happens all the time with my audience. My mom says, I fed you white rice cereal and you turned out fine. And if we haven't ever seen the alternative, which is feeding babies real food, you know, I work day in and day out to convince parents and show them and help them to believe that babies can eat so many more foods than we give them credit for. We do have a century's worth of work to undo, though, with this just tradition and habit of feeding babies white rice cereal. And the idea that this generation turned out fine isn't quite right. It's not. I agree with you. And, and that's hard to say to your audience. Well, you know, do you have a perfect relationship with food? Not that anyone does, but it then opens up a bigger conversation about reliance on packaged and processed foods as the primary food staple in the United States, which I think anyone would agree, regardless of your nutrition background, is not ideal. Right, right. And the way that we acquire taste preferences, we now understand it happens very early in childhood, primarily. And the things that kids get exposed to again and again and again are the things that their brain becomes accustomed to. They become comfort foods. And for many of us, that is refined grains. If you look at the, what kids eat in the U.S., there was a big federal survey looking at where kids' calories come from. 
and from age two all the way up through 18, and they're listed in order like they would be on an ingredient label. And the ingredients of today's kids in the United States, the number one ingredient is processed white flour treats. And it goes all the way back to baby food. The only vegetable on the list of the top 25. French fries. I got always. And ketchup is a vegetable too. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess the cheese pizza is a vegetable too. And when you say the only fruit, like parents, you know, if you look at most of the products sold to parents for baby food, it's just different versions of applesauce. Like, oh, my baby ate kale. Why? Because you bought a kale pouch. That's not kale. That is applesauce that's tinted green with a very small amount of kale. I would like to show you how your baby can safely eat kale among other foods to have, you know, establish this healthy relationship with food, not rely on, you know, high sugar, high sweetened foods, which unfortunately is reality, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Our audience believes in a food first approach, very much in line with everything that you teach and work on. They use solid foods, offering modified versions so it's safe for babies to eat. And the point being that they can eat the rest of the foods the family eats. But a lot of parents who are exploring baby led weaning or just starting out, they might be first time parents, they get pressure from friends and family and members who say, you know, you do have to start with white rice cereal. And I know you mentioned obesity, but could you just list a few of the other drawbacks of over-reliance on white rice cereal, just to kind of make maybe like a punch list of all the reasons why we don't want to feed it? Okay. So one reason we talked a little bit about taste acquisition. So we are hardwired. Babies love anything that's sweet right out of the gate. They love anything that's salty right out of the gate, but anything that's bitter, they tend to distrust the first several times that they try it. And that makes sense because in nature, bitter things might be toxic. And you wouldn't want them to pick up something off the ground and eat it and taste good right away if it was bitter. But things that they get on average six to 10 times once they're started solid foods, it can happen actually before that during breastfeeding and in utero as well. But those are the things once they have six to 10 times that they're going to then fall in love with because it becomes safe in their brains. And same with anything sour, like most fruits. So most vegetables, most fruits, they're not going to like at the beginning unless mom had it often during pregnancy or during breastfeeding. Otherwise, it takes six to 10 times. Most American parents will give up a food after two or three times and say, oh, they don't like broccoli. They don't like peas. Let's give up. The one exception to that is processed white flour. They get it again and again and again and again, often for two weeks at a time, 28 times more than Months at a time. Months at a time before anything else solidly imprinting them on the wrong flavors. So it's, a, I would say, a disaster in terms of the kinds of foods that you want them to be getting for flavor acquisition. We already mentioned obesity, but it's not just obesity. That is a, a physical marker. Before the introduction of all this, it was really rare to see a child with high blood pressure. Today, millions of kids in the U.S. have high blood pressure because of the way they eat. It was really rare to see a kid with blood sugars that were out of control unless they had what used to be called juvenile diabetes, type 1. It was rare to see abnormal cholesterol, see a waist size of 40 inches in a boy or 38 inches in a girl. And today, two-thirds of American high school students already have at least one of those middle-aged conditions tied back to the way that they eat and tied all the way back to the beginning of the white rice cereal. So it's bad for obesity and all of the metabolic problems that go along with that. And it's bad for the microbiome. It's cultivating the kind of bacteria that lead towards metabolic problems, obesity, and cravings for the wrong kinds of foods. All right. So we've got obesity in the metabolic situations. We've got the flavor and taste acquisition. We've got the wrong type of microbiome. What else can we add to the list of reasons why we don't want to feed? I mean, I would add cost because it costs extra money to go and buy a special food for a baby when you could just be feeding foods that the rest of the family is eating. What beyond that? I mean, well, another really good one is arsenic. Okay. Rice is a plant that, that tends to pull out whatever's in the soil. 
which can be a great thing if the soil is, is good and not contaminated, but much of the processed rice cereal does have arsenic in it. Both the FDA and the Academy of Pediatrics have recommended minimizing the amount of rice that kids get in the first year. I think this whole discussion about arsenic has really helped to bring your work with the whiteout movement back up to the surface because it's just another reason why we don't want to feed commercial baby food. Even if you do organic white rice cereal, organic rice is still a plant. It still has the potential to harbor metals. There is still the potential for arsenic. And how do you avoid that? You can't avoid eating plants, but you cannot feed your baby white rice cereal every single day. And small amounts of rice in moderation are perfectly safe and fine. But some of these families are doing rice cereal two and three times a day for weeks and even months on end, which is not only necessary, but we now know it could actually be dangerous. So I think it's, it's probably the biggest check mark against white rice cereal at this point, because it's the newest thing and the newest reason why we don't want to do it. And the best way to avoid arsenic is to eat varieties of real food, minimize the amount of rice, and also minimize fruit juices. There's plenty of other reasons to minimize fruit juice. I can tell you hang out with Dr. Lustig if you're going to get on the fruit juice soapbox. <laughs> I'm kidding. Our audience knows no fruit juice for babies, but it's something to think when they move into toddlerhood, well, now toddlers need to drink fruit or need to drink juice. No, we always, just like adults, we want you to eat your fruit, not to drink it. Right, right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Can we talk a little bit about iron? Because I would say every fifth episode we do on the podcast is about iron and and the downloads go off the charts because unfortunately it's something parents don't understand. They overcomplicate it and they think the only way to get iron is from white rice cereal or else their baby will become iron deficient. And I don't want to do anything that's going to affect my baby's you know, cognitive development. So I got to push all this iron from this fortified food. Help me alleviate the parents' fears about iron if they skip white rice cereal. So a few things. That was the big pediatric pushback against the whiteout movement, by the way. Pediatricians. <laughs> because they have, no offense, they don't always know what other real foods have iron in them. No, right, you know, exactly. Just- right. And real foods are plentiful sources of iron. But so several thoughts on that. One is I went back and thought about where did iron originally come from for kids? They didn't get it from boxed food, right? And one big source of it, and this may not apply to a lot of your families right now, but it might to their friends. Another initiative we started called TikTok, which is transitioning immediate cord clamping to optimal cord clear. I actually want to have you back on a whole different episode to talk about cord clamping because it's so important, but kind of different from rice cereal. So I also like that you were the, you were the original TikTok, Dr. Green. Yeah, I know. Pretty wild, right? But um, by just waiting a little bit, uh, even 90 seconds, like all animals, all mammals on the planet do after the baby's born, you get extra blood pumped in, which is enough iron to prevent almost all iron deficiency. It's a really simple way. That's the way it happens. Breast milk is low in vitamin D, but that's not a mistake. It's because baby's got vitamin D from the sun and breast milk is low in iron. And that's not a mistake either. It's because baby's got iron from their moms during childbirth. But apart from that, once they start solid foods, many foods are great sources of iron for kids, which you've educated people on. And if you have a need to give extra, I'm a big fan of something called the Lucky Iron Fish. Oh, we had the CEO on talking all about it. It's so cool. It's really cool. Just a little chunk of iron that goes in when you're cooking and adds about four milligrams of iron to an older kid's food for the day. And we actually, um, when we had 
the Lucky Iron Fish episode, Gavin, the CEO, was giving examples of how we could use it for baby food, you know, because parents know exactly how much. And, and parents do get really bogged down in the numbers and actually working on a lot of content about like, you know, moving away from focusing on the numbers. They see, you know, the DRI values and my baby needs to eat 11 milligrams of iron. And like, I'm a full-blown adult person who eats meat and I can't even eat 11 milligrams of iron a day. We need to back away from the numbers and look more at the sources. And as you're talking about the variety, such a wonderful way, as we know, to prevent food allergies, to help babies get their nutrients. And I love that you said that breast milk being low in vitamin D and iron, that's not a mistake, but there are other lifestyle factors that we have adopted that make breast milk quote unquote problematic, even though we know it's not. But if we never go outside and we sit in front of screens all day long, and if we don't allow for delayed cord clamping, we could be messing with the biological process that, that really would allow breast milk to do its job, which is to nourish your baby exclusively up until the six month mark. Yeah. A lot of the early baby food advertisements in magazines were about how nobody can feed your baby as reliably, consistently, scientifically as we can. But that's not true. We're biologic creatures and our bodies are adapted to have a variety of real foods that are different every time. And our absorption of iron or calcium or whatever depends on what's going on in the body right now. If you're lower on iron, you're going to absorb more. And if you're taking supplements, you're going to absorb less. And your body does the calibrating for you. Just get great sources of real food. I love the idea of spreading the word about the whiteout movement via word of mouth. Like that's how people learn about baby led weaning. They go to their pediatrician and say, I, I've heard about this and I want to learn more. Can you share with our audience how they can share more about the whiteout movement so that it becomes something that everyone is always talking about and that we actually can make more inroads into removing this recommendation of starting solid foods with white rice cereal? So two things. One, I would ask you to, if you can, mention it to your pediatrician because pediatricians do talk to a lot of parents and that, that's a really useful thing to do. And then mention it to two or three friends that you know that are having kids. And if you go to drgreen.com slash whiteout, you can get materials there and have easy stuff to share. And I will link to all of Dr. Green's resources, including where you go to get the information to have these conversations with your pediatrician on the show notes page for this episode. And that will be at blwpodcast.com. So Dr. Green, I know you're the author of Feeding Baby Green. I actually have it right here, kind of a Bible play on words. Feeding Baby Green, it's the earth-friendly program for healthy nutrition. You are Dr. Green, albeit with an E. Tell us a little bit about the book and information in there that parents might be interested in. So it's a complete plan, starting during pregnancy and all the way up through toddlerhood, helping parents learn how to go about feeding babies. It's very similar to the, the kinds of things that you teach. I do, and I'm not opposed to baby spoons. Uh, it's one of the oldest artifacts of humans are, are spoons. I think that can be fine. But I am a fan of whole foods, real foods, and letting babies set the pace for how much to eat and, and not trying to trick them into eating a little bit more. Dr. Green, to close it out, is there any advice you can give us? We're all going to go get the materials to talk to our pediatrician about and tell two or three friends about the whiteout movement. But what else can we do in order to help promote a healthy relationship with food from baby's first bites without relying on white rice cereal. I recently found my mom's diary from when I was a baby and it showed what the family ate and what I ate. Everybody ate the same thing, but the baby in the family had entirely different food. But I was the first one in my lineage that happened for. For my grandparents, everybody else in the family ate the same thing. It's so powerful to be able to have the whole family fall in love with the same food. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Green, for being here. I really appreciate your time. And we are all on board with the Whiteout Movement. Thank you, Katie. So great being with you. And thank you for all you're doing to educate parents everywhere. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed getting to hear from Dr. Green. He is one of my favorite people in infant feeding because he's not afraid to stick his neck out there and say what needs to be said, which is 
We should stop feeding babies white rice cereal so much all the time. It's not necessary. And pediatricians should stop recommending white rice cereal as a first food for babies. There's plenty of other foods that your baby can safely eat. And I'm going to link to all of Dr. Green's resources, the articles he was talking about, his book, the materials that you need to download and take to your pediatrician, as well as how you can learn more about the whiteout movement. And that will be on the show notes for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 160. Thanks so much for listening. Bye now.